This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. أَلَمْ نَجْعَلِ الْأَرْضَ مِهَادًا وَالْجِبَالَ أَوْتَادًا وَخَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ سُبَاتًا وَجَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ لِبَاسًا وَجَعَلْنَا النَّهَارَ مَعَاشًا وَبَنَيْنَا فَوْقَكُمْ سَبْعًا شِدَادًا وجعلنا سراجا وهاجا وأنزل الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومو يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار All praises due to Allah, may his prayers and blessings be unto the messenger of Allah Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم O you who believe, Allah says, fear Allah in the proper way that you must fear Him, in a truthful way that you must fear Him. And do not allow your tongues to speak anything but the truth. O you who believe, Allah says, fear Allah and say only the truth. If you do so, Allah will make your deeds righteous. And he will forgive your sins. And whoever obeys Allah and his messenger, then he has surely succeeded a great success. Then the Prophet said, For every new idea that a person brings into this religion and makes a part of the religion when it is not, then it is a wrong path. And every wrong path leads to hellfire. So beware of innovations. My brothers and sisters in Islam, I begin by greeting you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And I would like to begin by saying that as Allah is my witness, as a brother in Islam, I love you all because you are also Muslims. And whoever loves someone whom Allah loves, then Allah has to love him back. And this is my objective out of it. What a wonderful bond Islam has. What a wonderful mercy that Islam brings. It's a bond that no other ideology, no other system, no other religion in the world, Wallah, nothing, can have a stronger bond than the bond that Islam has between us. Even if I promise you, my brother and my sister, that anything that comes out from me towards you is going to be in peace. And then you are obliged after that. It's compulsory for you to respond, Wa alaykum as And I also promise you, O oh brother, 
that anything that comes out from me towards you will only be in peace. And when we depart, because we've made a contract, we don't backbite each other. We don't slander each other. We don't hurt each other. In fact, we spread good rumors about one another because we've made a contract. This brotherhood in Islam, wallah, is the greatest brotherhood anyone can ever think about, anyone can ever read about. But the only ones who don't know it are the ones who don't know Islam, who don't read about it. And you are missing out on Allah, my brother or sister, if you don't read about what your religion has in store for us. So I love you all fi sabilillah. And what you're meant to say is, أَحَبَّكَ اللَّهُ الَّذِي أَحْبَبْتَنِي مِنْ أَجْلِهِ If you know it. Which means, may the one whom you loved us for his sake love you back. So please make that dua for me. It's not loud enough, but I'll let it go this time. Well, today I have chosen a topic which I thought is appropriate for us. A general topic. A topic which I think is appropriate because we may die tomorrow. We may die after a week, brothers and sisters. We may die next year. Who can guarantee that we're going to leave this room alive? Nobody can. So let us spend this next hour, insha'Allah, just one hour, of listening and living for an hour outside of the realm of this dream. I call this world a dream. And go into the realm of reality. The reality is what will come after this life. Brothers and sisters, the hereafter, everybody will stand in front of Allah. And Allah is going to question you. If a person is a disbeliever, Allah will not even look at them or even ask them anything. But He will subject them to angels that will not allow a single utter except that they will question you for and judge you. That day Allah will judge us. And we will regret a single minute that we wasted in our life that we did not do for the sake of Allah. We will regret on that day when you will see people entering paradise and their scales, their scales are so heavy in good deeds only to find out that they spent less than five seconds to say a word that entered them into paradise. And that word is La ilaha illallah, the key to paradise. A few seconds. It fills the scale on the Day of Judgment. Or a person who spent one more or a few more seconds in their life to say Alhamdulillah. Just saying Alhamdulillah. It filled his rewards from the earth to the sky. We will regret these few seconds. Well brothers and sisters, we are still alive Alhamdulillah. And we haven't passed on to the reality of the hereafter. We are still in the dream or in the examination. Many of us have gone astray. We've forgotten. We've forgotten that we are in a time of a test. We've forgotten that Allah is writing everything. His angels are recording everything. 
We have forgotten that every word we utter, we are going to be held accountable for it on the Day of Judgment. We have forgotten the purpose of our life. Allah says, they forgot Allah, so Allah made them forget who they are themselves. When we forget Allah, obviously, what are we going to remember? We are only going to remember what is in front of us now. Isn't that true? I want you to think with me for a minute here. Brothers and sisters, our scholars say to us, Al-insan, a person, يَتَأَثَّرُ بِمَا هُوَ وَاقِعٌ مَشْهُودٌ They are also always affected by what is now in reality in front of them they could see, tangible things. And he forgets بِمَا هُوَ غَيْبٌ مَوْعُودٌ About the unseen in the future after death that is promised. Hell and heaven, they forget. Don't you see many Muslims and even non-Muslims, people today are always affected by the things that surround them and they forget the purpose of why they are living. Then all of a sudden death strikes them and they can't return. For this reason, let us spend a merciful time to ask ourselves a question. This is how I'm going to begin. By asking ourselves a question, Wallah, it is the mercy of Allah that He has allowed us to analyze and to ask ourselves questions before we die. To judge ourselves before Allah judges us. He has given us that ability, brothers and sisters, and only for us humans and for the jinns, but not for the animals. So utilize this brain, this mind, this frontal lobe at the front of our heads, this frontal lobe, which can sin or do good deeds. I call it frontal lobe because the animals don't have a frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is responsible for analyzing and questioning and thinking. But the animals, they cannot think about this. So let us question ourselves. I want each one of you brothers and sisters, right now as you are sitting in your chairs, young or old, without thinking about the person beside you, without thinking about your parents or your family or your brothers and sisters out there, without thinking about a person whom you think is non-religious. I want you for this few minutes to think about yourself. Yourself. Just by yourself. Ask yourself this following question. Just to you. Within your mind and then try to answer it. Are you ready? The question is, my brothers and sisters, what is your priority in life? Mm. What is your most important thing that you want to achieve? What is it that you love the most? What is it? Ask yourself that question. What is it that I love the most? What is it that I want? What is it that I prioritize? Make it more important than anything else. That when, make it easier for you, that when I'm at work, or when I am studying, or when I am doing something for myself, or whatever, trading, selling, whatever I'm doing, that's meant to be important. 
What is it that I will actually put above that? What is it that you prioritize? Be careful now. Because your answer in your head has to be sincere. You have to be honest. Don't be hypocritical brothers and sisters. Think about it deeply. And when you think about it, use some proofs that could convince you that this is really what you prioritize in life. Whatever your answer is. Because my brothers and sisters, analyze this carefully. Whatever you prioritize, whatever you love the most, it means that that's the thing which you occupy your life generally in working towards. It is the thing which if you are at home, it's still important. You are working, you will stop your work for it. Whatever you are doing, if you are praying, you still find it more important. What is it that you find important? Now the reason why I asked you to ask this question to yourselves is because if you asked a person and you wanted a reply in open, you wanted to hear it with your ear, Generally, Muslims especially will not give you the right answer of what they really are working towards. Only a minority. On the face of it, on the outside, people will answer things like, well, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what I find more important in my life. Or they say, to work towards paradise, to work for the hereafter. Or to die a pleasant, a pleasant death which pleases Allah. This is my objective, they say. This is my priority. My priority is my prayers, for example. My priority is to have Qur'an recited every day. My priority is to be a good Muslim. This is the type of answers generally a person would say if someone else was listening to them. Yes, but Allah knows best. It is a very small minority of Muslims in the world that would answer this. Or that, that really, this is their true and honest answer. If you were to really analyze and study and investigate what each one of us really prioritizes, it's not really the hereafter. Be honest to yourself. It's not really pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not really loving to please Allah really. Because our mouths say that which is different to what our actions prove. Probably some proper answers, more honest answers from the majority is maybe, and think if, if, you apply, if this applies to one of you, maybe to achieve a respectful career. Maybe that's what I prioritize in life, to achieve a respected career. Maybe to prepare my future, work towards buying a house, getting married and living in it, and that's you know working towards it, retiring at 35, this is my priority. Maybe some people find education as being the most priority. We're talking about the best thing which you really want, the greatest priority before anything else. Maybe to be rich, money, to gather a lot of money, to have a nice car one day. I want to drive that Ferrari one day. I want to drive a Jaguar one day. I want to work towards that. Some of them will probably to have a great name in the community, to have a great name. And I've heard this many times before. Brothers out there back in Melbourne, I remember this particular brother. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette and very depressed. 
And he's saying, you know what, one day I'm going to get myself a name. That's what's occupying his mind, subhanAllah. Some people prioritize to be respected. They want people to fear them, to respect them. Or some people just plainly don't prioritize anything whatsoever. They just don't know. And some find it too much to think about. Just too much wasting our brain cells about it, so they get exhausted. And so they say, we'll see what happens. Just we'll live our day to day and see what we, what, you know, we'll decide later on what is more important to us. My brothers and sisters, generally, the honest answers around, and we have to say the truth, is that we really work for this life more than what we work for the hereafter. This is the truth. We love the adornments of this life more than the hereafter. Brothers and sisters, come on. The money is in front of you. The pearls, the precious adornments of the world are in front of us. Why not? We work towards this dunya more than what we work for the hereafter. Wallah, if you say to a person, but you are going to die one day, they believe it, they know it. Really, that's the sad thing. You talk about hellfire, they know it, it's going to come. Judgment day, they believe in it. Jannah, they believe in it. But how often do they pray? How fast do they pray? Because they've got some important things to go to. How often do they recite the Qur'an? In the day when the Prophet says, Whoever recites ten verses of the Quran, then he will not be written as one of the forgetful ones, the ones who have neglected Allah. Any less than ten verses, they've neglected Allah. Who is there that does that? Who is there out there that considers even the small things in Islam as something important to them. For example, a few weeks ago or about a week and a half ago, we had something called the 10th of Muharram. Ashura, as they call it. The 10th of Muharram. It's sad to say that even many Muslims don't know what Muharram means. That's how important Islam is to us. Muharram is the first month of our Hijri calendar. From the first day the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca to Medina. This is our Muslim calendar. The tenth day of Muharram, the Prophet ﷺ used to fast this day. And this day, any person who fasted, Allah will forgive a whole year that has passed of their minor sins. All of it forgiven. How many Muslims monitor this day and fasted? Do you monitor it? Many Muslims find it as superficial. Something which is not very important. And so they neglect this single day, for example. They neglect the day of the Hijjah, for example. When we fast, if we fast that day, a whole year of past and a whole year forward will be forgiven. We neglect that day. We neglect our sunnahs that we pray. We neglect making a certain time in the day where we recite and memorize the Qur'an. We neglect those things. We consider them superficial. And the Muslims today, find, you find them practicing the minimum. Just the minimum of the religion. To the point, and alhamdulillah, this is, you'd be very, it'll be very good if we find just a small amount that practice their five pillars, five daily prayers and others. And this is the minimum. They go to the point where they're only interested in finding out how severe is a haram thing. Like some people, they come up to me, 
and they say, brother, we know that such a thing is haram, but how big is the, how big is the punishment on a day of judgment? Subhanallah. Do you want to know? Well, the minor, most minor punishment on a day of judgment is two coals of fire beneath the soles of her feet and the brain boils. That's the least punishment. So what are you going to say? You want to try and think if you can handle the punishment on a day of judgment? So they consider it superficial, something not really important. A person who asks about how haram is such a thing, do you think that this is a person who places the pleasure of Allah, pleasing Allah as being the most important thing? You are lying if you say that this is the most important thing to you. Wallah! You are lying. Islam is not the most important thing to you. Why? Why is it that we find most Muslims when it comes to trade or business? If somebody rips you off for $10 or $15, $100, we're ready to sue, we're ready to go to the courts, we are ready to write letters and spend time to do all of that because we can't accept that someone has ripped us off. Yes, many Muslims do that. And we'd rather kill that person because it's important to us. That hundred dollars, that two hundred, that thousand dollars is important to us. We're not going to allow even ten cents to go away. Some Muslims are like that, wallahi al-azim. That, yes, if you said money is my priority, I would believe you then. Because the actions prove it. Some people, when it comes time for work, they want to wake up for work every day at seven o'clock, seven a.m., Instead of putting the clock, the alarm clock to Fajr, which is at the moment just after 5, or just below 5, they rather put the alarm for 7 a.m. and they pray their prayer at that time, their Fajr prayer. The sun has already risen and Allah will not accept the prayer at that time. What do they really prioritize? The Salat or their work? I saw a little... Um, like a little drawing the other day at the mosque, at Preston Mosque, back at, uh, at Melbourne. And it's quite humorous. They've got like the image, a drawing, a cartoon image of a young man. And his mother's waking him up for Fajr. And he's putting a pillar over his head and he's saying, Please, fear Allah man, give us some rest, we have to relax. My body needs a rest. Khawfu Allah, that he's saying. Rahamuni, give me mercy. I need to sleep for a bit. And then right at the bottom, he's got, they've got like he's woken up late for work. And he's rushing and dressing up and he's saying, Fear Allah everyone, give me mercy, why didn't anyone wake me up for work? The opposite. How dare you not wake me up for work, I'm going to miss out. And they're swearing and going off. For such a person, do you think that pleasing Allah is more important or is going to work more important? The other day a friend said to me, when I asked him, Brother, we're not seeing you at Jumu'ah anymore. He said, Brother, I'm working on Jumu'ah. I said, well, do you have some friends at work that you could pray with the Jumu'ah? Because Jumu'ah is compulsory, brother. Wallahi, from my heart, I want the best for him. He said, hold on a minute, doesn't Islam say that you've got to work? Subhanallah, what can you call this? Ignorance? Arrogance? Just foolishness? I don't know. Islam says, yeah, yes, you have to work and provide for your family. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say with regards to priority? Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu 
إذا نودي للصلاة من يوم الجمعة فاسعوا إلى ذكر الله فاسعوا إلى ذكر الله وذروا البيع O you who believe, when the call to prayer of the Jum'ah is called, then all of you walk and go and strive to go into the mosque, to the masjid. And abandon all business and trade. Allah says, فَإِذَا قُضِيَتِ الصَّلَاةُ فَانْتَشِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَابْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ When the prayer is over, then go in the land which Allah has spread for you. And seek from the bounties of your Lord. But after the prayer, after the priority, Akhwan, Subhanallah. My sister the other day or yesterday, she was asking me, Bilal, is this life like a dream? I was very impressed by her question because that's thinking. Using this brain which Allah created for us to think about why we are here. She said, is this world a dream? I said, why do you ask? I replied. And she said, well, we are going to die, aren't we? I said, true. She said, and when we go to sleep, doesn't our soul sort of depart from our body a bit? I mean, we go unconscious. I said, true. And now the smile is from one ear to an ear for me because I'm very happy that she's thinking like that. She said, so death is kind of like going to, to sleep. You lose consciousness and you have dreams. And then when you wake up, you're back to reality. So is this life a dream and that we're going to die and wake up in the hereafter and that will be reality? I said, absolutely. This is exactly how it is. I go, but the difference is only one. When you go to sleep and dream, whatever you do in that dream, you're not responsible for it. But this dream in this life, you're going to be asked about every single utter, every single moment. You're responsible. And you could see the tears rolling down her eyes. I was very happy that day. Alhamdulillah. You see, we have forgotten why we are here. We have forgotten that we have been created by Allah from nothing. And we have forgotten that Allah can just take us away in a single minute. Out of our control. Where did we come from? Where are we going? Yani 60, 70 years, 80 years we live. How long? A hundred years. And then where are we going? Have you ever seen anybody die and return back here? Never. Allah has never chosen for anyone to live forever because there is a purpose. Yes, there are poor people and there are rich people, there are people in high positions and low positions. A person would think this is unfair by God. But you see, Allah did not create us to live a life as in paradise. This life is not paradise. This life is a test and a trial. It's an examination. Because Allah has created Jannah, heaven, and He has created hellfire. Hellfire will have a people. It will be struggling and breathing and saying, Ya Rab, give me people. Allah said, I will fill you up with those whom you deserve. And heaven says, Ya Rab, I'm empty. My adornments are everywhere. I need them to be used. Allah says, don't worry, I will also fill you up with those whom deserve you. So there is a fairness on the Day of Judgment. There's heaven and there's hell, my brothers and sisters. 
A Christian once debated with one of my friends and said to him, Are you telling me that we have to worship God? He said, Yes. He said, um, he said and We're going to be judged for our deeds, as your Quran says. And our friend said, Yes. He said, No, I don't believe that we're going to be judged. He said, Do you believe in heaven and hell? He said, Yes. He said, Then how? Then how? Then why are you living? Shouldn't there be a purpose? He said, no, no, God has forgiven everyone. Everyone is born and you are free from all sins. And if you're just a good person, you die and go to heaven. That's it. He said, whether you be whatever you are, everybody has been forgiven with the death of Jesus Christ. Peace be upon him. He said, so why is there heaven and hell? And he scratched his head and said, I don't know. So brothers and sisters, we have forgotten what to prioritize in our life. It's mainly the dunya. Let me talk a little bit about the dunya. And pass it on to other people, my brothers and sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم زين للناس حب الشهوات من النساء والبنين والقناطير المقنطرة من الذهب والفضة من الذهب والفضة والخيل المسومة والأنحعام والحرث ذلك متاع الحياة الدنيا. It has been decorated to man the adornments of this life. The love of desires and lusts. What do you desire? Do you desire money? It's decorated. You desire women? They're decorated. You desire men? They're there for you. You desire? What do you desire? They're there. They're decorated. Of women and children, like boys. How many cultures love to have boys? So they can have pride in their boys. This is what they love the most. And of adornments, wealth and money. Well-groomed horses in our time, you know, transport which is very impressing to the eyes. What does Allah call all of this? They are just temporary enjoyments of this life. Tell me something, brothers and sisters. Are they not temporary enjoyments? Have you seen anybody enter the grave and take their house with them, wealth with them, their family with them, even their clothes, their clothes, did they take them with them? La wallah. They only took the shroud with them and their deeds. Abadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, أَذْهَبْتُمْ طَيِّبَاتِكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا there are people who have followed all the wonderful things of this life and forgotten the wonderful things of the hereafter. So they made their objective and the whole important thing this life only and turned it into a paradise and sold the hereafter. So Allah says, you sold your hereafter and you sold and lost, uh, and you lost out on all the wonderful things of the hereafter in exchange for the wonderful temporary things of this life. Abadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا مَتَاعٌ This life compared to the hereafter, to paradise, is nothing but temporary short enjoyment. 
The Prophet ﷺ once came with his companions at one time, and he, and he came near the beach, near the sea. And he placed this pinky finger right here. See how small this pinky finger is, we call it? He placed it into the ocean like that, he dipped it, and then he released it. And a few drops fell off his finger. And the only thing that was there was the wetness. How much water is there? Just that little wetness. And he said to his companions, this whole world and everything that is in it, compared to the hereafter, a paradise, and whatever is in that, is just like the comparison of this amount of water which is wetting my pinky finger, compared to the rest of the ocean. Imagine brothers and sisters, a paradise, where a normal simple house for a believer in there, its bricks are made of gold. Gold! Its cement between the bricks is made of perfume, musk. Subhanallah. The pebbles on the ground that you walk, like when you go outside of this hall, there's rocks on the floor, right? These in Jannah are pearls and diamonds. Subhanallah. The rivers in Jannah, four, there are four main rivers and there are many others. Water that never goes off, milk that never ever goes off, honey that's overflowing with many different tastes and never goes off, and rivers of wine that is non-intoxicant. Where can you find this in this life? In Jannah, in Jannah there are trees that you can never pass the shade if you kept walking for 30 years. And there are trees with leaves so huge that when a breeze hits them, the leaves hit each other and they produce the most beautiful melody and music that you've ever heard in your life, ever. In Jannah, the singer is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah sings with His voice. In Jannah, there are things that no eye has ever seen or heart has ever imagined. How can we compare and prioritize this dunya, this life, where we get hungry and thirsty in, sick in, tired, depressed, stressed, poverty, pain? How? How can you, how can anybody compare this world to paradise, where you will never ever get hungry there, never get sick, never get bored, never get tired, never get distressed or depressed, and you have anything you ever desire, and more. As we read in the verses before, how can you compare this life to the hereafter, my brothers and sisters? How? The Prophet ﷺ, he gave up on this dunya, and he took what he needed. Now I'm not asking you, and we're not asking for us to be exactly like the Prophet ﷺ. Maybe we can't handle it. But we should try and gather the concept in, into our heads and let it be our priority. That no matter what we do and what we gain of this life, then we must be careful that our earnings are pleasing to Allah. Our spendings are pleasing to Allah. Our life and our living has to be pleasing to Allah. We don't do things in haram. Wallah, even if you go to the toilet, and you enter with your right foot and say, أعوذ بالله من الخبث والخبائث. And you stay quiet in the toilet. And then you exit with your left foot and say, غفرانك. You have gone to the toilet and pleased Allah. You have gained rewards just by going to the toilet. Just by eating, by saying Bismillah and pleasing Allah in that. 
What we are saying is not to give up on the dunya, but to transform your actions of the dunya to please Allah, because that's our priority, ya akhwan. Our priority in the life is to please our Creator, the one who created us for a purpose and for a reason. Otherwise, why do we keep seeing new births of new human beings into life? without our ability. And then we find deaths happening without our control. Why does this constantly happen? Think about it. Why does the sun rise from where it rises and sets where it sets? Why are the stars always coming out at night? Why is there night and day? Why is there sleep? Why is there death? Why? That should tell us something. Because there is a reason and a purpose for our living and that is to be trialed and tested. Who is going to heaven? Who is going to hell? Allah is just... Allah, God, is just. And He will give each one what they deserve. So who is there that prioritizes this life? Who? There are people who sit, for example, at home, and they're watching their favorite film of the day, their favorite episode, Days of Our Lives, or Bold and the Beautiful, or Balutan and Bakliki. Some other films that... And they want to watch it, and the time for Asr has come, for example. And they wait, and wait. And they say, I'll pray it a little bit later. Just wait until the next uh, episode comes on. Wait, and wait. And the good ones out of them, are the ones who pray it in the commercial time. They pray very quick. Now, what do you think they're prioritizing? Their prayer? <laughs> or this uh, episode, this film on television? Ah, subhanAllah. That low? That weak we are? To prioritize a movie <laughs> above the main reason why we are here on earth to begin with? SubhanAllah. You find the brother is selling a car, for example. And he clocks the automator backwards. In order to trick the, the buyer to make him think that this car has only done a few kilometers. Even if they are Muslims, they'll still cheat them. In order to earn a few more dollars. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith, there are people there are people, and excuse me for saying this, but I'm not applying it to a single individual. This is in general. Describing the hypocrites. Hypocrites. He describes the hypocrites and says, A hypocrite is, Himarun bin Nahar. A donkey in the day. And what does a donkey do? He eats and works. Eats and works. Himarun bin Nahar, Jifatun bin Layl, a stinking carcass in the night. Just sleeps and sleeps throughout the night, doesn't wake up for any Fajr prayer, for any night prayer, for anything like that. Doesn't say Bismillah when he goes to sleep, doesn't say Bismillah when he wakes up, rather when he wakes up, he starts swearing the F word that he's late to work. Jifatun bin Layl, Alimun bi amri dunya, he is so knowledgeable in all the affairs of the life, of world. Ask him about money, he knows. Ask him about business, he knows. Ask him about insurance policies, he knows. Ask him about bank financing, he knows. Ask him about uh, interest rates, he knows. Ask him about anything of the world. He is the master of knowledge in that. Jahilun bi amri al-akhirah. 
but completely ignorant about the matters of the hereafter, about the affairs of the religion. Ask him, what does Islam say about interest? He doesn't know. Ask him, what kind of money are you allowed to earn in Islam? He doesn't know. Ask them, what are you meant to do when you go to the toilet? He doesn't know. Ask them, how do you make wudu for prayer? You find them still making mistakes in wudu. Ask them to recite Al-Fatiha. They still make many mistakes in reciting Al-Fatiha. But asking about anything else, legal policies, legal rights, he knows, mashaAllah, very knowledgeable. Even if they don't know, they'll try to sound as if they, don't, they know. So what do you think a person like that is prioritizing? What? And then you say, I want Jannah. God will make me enter paradise. I deserve it. I deserve it, they say. Subhanallah. My brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Man will not receive anything except that which, that which he works for and strives for. And that his striving is watched and observed by his Creator. Always. Allah is watching our striving and our work. Then in the hereafter, Allah will reward you or punish you according to the work that you yourself chose to do. My brothers and sisters, we have a choice to choose between this life and the hereafter. To prioritize. Wallah, when it's time for prayer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't bring someone to force you and drag you out of your seat to pray. No. When it's time for fasting, Allah does not send someone to torture you and punish you so that you can fast. Wallah, even choosing your religion, Allah forbids anyone from compelling anyone else to even choose Islam. So where is the force in the religion? It's completely your choice. It's only your work, my brothers and sisters, that will make you end up in the destiny that you want to end up in the hereafter. Whatever you prioritize is what you love. And I say to you this, brothers and sisters, think about it. Think about it deeply and analyze it. Tell me if this is true or false. Isn't it that anything that we love, we love, Anything that we love, it means that we prioritize above certain other things, right? And anything that we love, if you want to prove that love towards it, you will find that you're acting towards it. For example, if a wife loves her husband, she'll do things that she doesn't have to do. Like, well there are things she doesn't have to do, I know that. Right? For example, he gives her money so that she can buy food today, but instead she goes and cooks and she has that option. <clears throat> or the husband does things towards his wife that he doesn't have to do. I'm not going to mention what. And the point is, if they love each other, they'll not ask about each other's rights too much. They'll forfeit their own rights. And they'll forgive each other because they love one another. You see it in their actions. But wallah, a husband comes in and says, I love you. But he screams at her, shouts at her, yells at her, treats her like a slave, treats her like a servant. When he enters the house, his feet have to be on top of the table so that she can massage them every night. This is not love. This is using. 
Love has to be shown in different ways. And therefore, whatever you love, you work towards. If we love the hereafter and we love Allah, we try to do the things that Allah is pleased with. We try to imitate the ones who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, how do most Muslims dress like today? How do most of our sisters wear their clothing today? They know, for example, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is more honorable and it is more pleasing to Allah for you, O sister in Islam, to cover with your veil your adornments and not reveal it except for your husband in order to create a closer bond between you and your husband. And then he says to you, O brother, to pray your five daily prayers and grow your beard, for example. What do we do? A brother just before was telling me there's a new trend going around here in Sydney amongst the Muslim sisters. They're starting to draw tattoos on their bodies. You know, on the back side, like just on the back or on their arms. Where did you get this from? This is a fashion which is now developed amongst people who are not Muslim. And now we have imitated them. How do we talk? How do we speak? We are imitating people who do not, who go against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded or prohibited. My brothers and sisters, if we do that, doesn't it mean that you are worshipping someone else? Of course we are. When you, O oh brother, have to wake up every morning and go to work, whether you like it or not, even if it means passing all your prayers and not doing anything of that, even if it means breaking your fast just so that you can go and work that day, then you are actually prioritizing your work and worshipping your employer more than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah doesn't ask for much. Oh sister in Islam, when you wake up, wake up in the morning, and normally maybe you don't put makeup on for your husband, you wake up every morning whether you like it or not, you have to put that makeup on, you have to dress in a certain style so that you can go to work, because this is what is appropriate for your work. For example, hairdressing, you have to show your hair, otherwise it won't work. Who are we really worshipping at that time? What are we really loving at that time? We are loving money income. We are loving our career more. We are loving and prioritizing our work and what we do more than the purpose of life. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a very simple solution, my brothers and sisters, you can keep working, you can keep earning money, but just earn it in the halal way. Just work in a halal environment. Don't let it be a cause to stop you from your obligations to Allah. That's all you have to do. Because brothers and sisters, we mentioned, you're going to die and you're going to be asked about it. Are you going to take any of it with you to the grave? No. So what's the most important brothers thing? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. In Islam, education is important, very important. But it depends how you use your education and what you use it for. This so-called degree, which people prioritize. And if you are in the world of you know, degrees and university and things like that, you will find that this is all they really prioritize. In some countries, if you don't have a master's degree, you're considered to be inferior in the community. Inferior. You have to have a master's minimum. This degree, what is it? And you go into university and you choose a certain sector, either science or law, psychology, agriculture, which is all good, alhamdulillah, or music, or whatever you want to study, and you specialize in that particular area, then you get a degree. How? I don't understand how this person is so much more important 
and more honorable than the rest of the people. Did you know that there are some Muslims that are doctors, mashaAllah, but what do they put forward to Islam? Nothing, nothing. You ask them to donate, they donate nothing, or only a bit, just a bit. Where are they in the community? You find that the people these days who are less educated in the secular system are working more towards reviving and carrying the message, this wonderful message of the Qur'an and Sunnah to the rest of the world. And subhanAllah, when you ask even educated Muslim who is ignorant about the religion, how to make wudu, they don't even know. So what are they teaching their children? Wallahi, this form, this form of a, this, this habit makes a person become proud and showing off. If you're not educated, they'll look down on you. They won't invite you. This is haram, Wallahi al-Azim. Let us listen to how Luqman advised his son. Not like today. Some parents advise their sons at their deathbed especially, when they die. They bequest them. They tell them, you know your auntie so-and-so, I don't want you to ever talk to her. Your uncle so-and-so, you have to avoid them. Listen son, your cousins are going to try and uh, you know, take your money away from you. You have to be cautious before I die. I need to say this to you son, you have to be careful about your money and your possessions. But any advice about his prayer? No. Any advice about the purpose of his living? No. Any advice about him being righteous and having good character and manners according to the Prophet ﷺ? No. None of that. Just dunya, 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 and this is what they die on. Listen to Luqman as he advises his son. And he says to his son, to his bunay, لا تشفك بالله Do not make any partners with Allah. This is his advice. إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Verily, making partners with Allah is a great oppression. وَلَا تَمْشِ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَحًا Do not walk on earth out of pride. You lift your chest up and your nose up, and you walk a type of a walk that you are better than the rest. He said to him, do not walk out of boastfulness. إِنَّكَ لَن تَبْلِغْ تَبْلُغَ الْإِنَّكَ لَن تَخْرِقَ الْأَرْضَ وَلَن تَبْلُغَ الْجِبَالَ طُولًا My son, if you walk with pride and you think you are better than others, then remember, no matter how much pride you get and how strong you get, you can never penetrate the earth, nor can you reach the high mountains in your pride. You are just going to remain a simple human being made out of soil and you will return back to that soil. And then he said to him, وَلَا تُصَعِّرْ خَدَّكَ لِلنَّاسِ Do not turn your cheek away from the people as if they are inferior to you. Someone is talking to you, look at them. And respond to them like they are important. Don't turn your cheek away as though you are better than others. And then he also advises him and says, وَقُصِدْ فِي مَشْيِكَ وَغْضُضْ مِنْ صَوْتِكَ إِنَّ أَنْكَرَ الْأَصْوَاتِ لَصَوْتُ الْحَمِيرِ He said, and when you walk, walk in humbleness and moderation. And lower your tone of voice. Don't start screaming and yelling. Verily, the greatest, most annoying and disturbing voices are the noises of donkeys. Does anyone like it when, a don- when you hear the noise of donkeys? No. If you raise your voice and keep shouting, that this is a person who is similar to a donkey according to the Qur'an. Don't scream and yell for no reason, especially the husbands at home, to their wives. 
Especially when the husband and wife disagree in the house in front of their children, they begin to scream and yell at each other and swear at each other. Your child's going to come out the same way. But when you prioritize the Islamic teachings and you try to imitate the prophets and the messengers, for example, like growing a beard, when you start monitoring not just the compulsory things in the religion, even the sunnahs in the religion, even the things which we call mustahab, the recommended things to do in, the, in Islam. For example, the siwak. The siwak is like a toothbrush in Islam. This is a sunnah which is recommended to be used all the time in order to keep your mouth clean. How many people use the miswak here? Put your hand up, those who use the miswak. MashaAllah, Barakallahu Fikum. Some people with beards, they don't use the miswak. When the Prophet, good, MashaAllah, the Prophet wasallam said that when a person prays, an angel sits behind him and asks to forgive them. But if they have used the miswak to clean their teeth, the angel gets up and gradually comes closer and closer to you with that beautiful breath that's coming out of you. And then he places, the angel places the mouth, his mouth on your mouth and begins to breathe in your Qur'an and then does not breathe it back out until the Day of Judgment to be a witness in front of Allah. Now, this is a sahih hadith from the Prophet how many, now, if we prioritize the religion, would we not have known this a long time ago? Eh, wallah. Allah, how many rewards are we missing out on brothers and sisters? Subhanallah. Imagine this, making wudu. There are people who make wudu once a day, and they hold their wudu all the way from Fajr up to Isha. And they claim that they haven't broken their wudu, but I don't know. In Islam, yes, you are allowed to hold one wudu all the way to the end. That's fine, so long as you don't go to the toilet or break it. But a person who prioritizes the hereafter, they will not only do that, in fact, they will make wudu every time they broke it, whether or not they're praying. Like if it's time for prayer or not, they still make wudu, just so they can remain in wudu throughout the day. Even if they have wudu, they make wudu again when the prayer comes. Do you know what you're missing out on if you don't do that? Or when they make wudu, instead of doing it three times each, they do it one time. Do you know what you're missing out on? If you prioritize the religion, you would want the best of it. The Prophet ﷺ says, on the day of judgment, I will know my beloved ones. The companions said, Ya Rasulullah, how would you know your beloved ones? Aren't we your beloved? He said, no, you are my companions. My beloved ones are the ones who have not come yet. They said, Ya Rasulullah, how will you know them if you have never seen them? He said, on the day of judgment, I'll be waiting for them at the fountain of Koth, at the fountain where I will be holding water and everybody is coming. The only people that I will choose to make them drink on that day will be the ones who have nur, light emanating from their arms and their face and their heads and their legs. He said, just like a farmer, just like a person who has many horses, majority of these horses are dark and black, and amongst them there are horses that are striped with white stripes on their legs and their noses. Do you think that this person would find it hard to know his striped horses from his black horses? They said, no, Ya Rasulullah, it's very easy. He said, on the day of judgment, my, brother, my brothers and my beloveds will come striped with nur coming out from their faces and their arms and their legs. They said, Ya Rasulullah, where did they get this nur from? He said, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَثَرِ الْوُضُوءِ مِنْ إِسْبَاغِ الْوُضُوءِ When they used to make their wudu, they used to make their wudu completely and 
and correctly. Isbagh means to do your arms, for example, three times, all the way above the elbows, and making sure that you get every point properly. You say Bismillah before, and you say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. After you complete your wudu, if you say that, the eight doors of Jannah open up. And if you say Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik, Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk, the angel seals that word and places a seal on it. It is never broken until the day of judgment, and it is a witness in front of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, a person who makes his wudu often, he will come with treasure, jewelry, on every part of where he used to make or she used to make wudu, and wherever the light reaches to Allah. Imagine that, sparkling light shining above everyone. Extra to that jewelry of pearls and diamonds, also on your arms, on the day of judgment. What are we missing out on, subhanAllah? For a person to say just one word, Alhamdulillah. How long did that take? Alhamdulillah. Less than two seconds. Alhamdulillah tamla'ul mizan. It will fill your scale on the Day of Judgment. To say SubhanAllah wa bihamdi, less than three seconds. It fills between the earth and the sky. To say La ilaha illallah, will make your scale heavy and it is the key to paradise. How long did that take? To walk to the masjid for every step you take, ten hasanat are placed on and ten bad deeds are taken off. For every drop that drops from your face when you make wudu, there is a sin that drops with it. When you do a sin and then you do a good deed immediately after that, even by saying La ilaha illallah, it expiates the sin. How many of us make dhikr on our mouths? In fact, if you want to see what you do more and what you prioritize more, do you normally backbite more or do you normally make dhikr more? Do you normally swear more or do you normally read Qur'an more? Do you normally lie more or do you normally tell the truth more? Which one? If you lie more, it means you prioritize something else other than Islam. You are lying for some gain and that is what you love most. If you swear the most, then you have also another priority. If you cheat and backbite, then that means you are obeying your whims and desires. You want to backbite people because you want them to lose their reputation. In anything you do, brothers and sisters, this is the level of how much you love something or hate something. Is a time up, brother? Five minutes. I would like to end it by mentioning some more things that we are missing out on with regards to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because I don't want to leave you here in a negative feeling. We are not here to make ourselves afraid. It's quite the opposite, brothers and sisters. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us about hellfire, it's not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is oppressive. It doesn't mean that He is cruel to burn. But rather, it is His mercy that He told us what is in store in the hereafter, in store for us in the hereafter. And He told us about heaven to tell us what is also in store for those who obey Him. Then He gave us the guidance. Then He gave us the Qur'an and the messengers. It's there for you to read. He gave us the words of our messenger. It's there for us to investigate. He gave us everything we need. By Him warning us of this which is coming in the hereafter is a mercy from Allah. Wallahi al-Azim. It means He wants us to avoid falling into that trap. He wants us to avoid falling into that trap. Yet, many people still insist on throwing themselves into hellfire by selling their hereafter for a small gain in this life. Abedim. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful, my brothers and sisters, that all you need to do is just work towards it. Calling out to Allah is one way. If you do not call out to Allah's mercy, He will not give you mercy. Because a person will only receive that which he asks for. If you say, Allahumma ghfirli, oh Allah forgive me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is too shy to not forgive you. Because you have acknowledged that Allah can forgive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful that the Prophet one time was standing around with his companions and he saw a mother searching for her child which she had lost. And she was crying and sweating and so afraid. Finally she finds her child and hugs him. And the Prophet said, Can you ever imagine that this woman, this mother, can ever burn her own son? They said, No, Ya Rasulullah. They said, he said, why? Because of her mercy? They said, yes, Ya Rasulullah. He said, well, Allah is more merciful than that mother to her child. Allah is more merciful to his servants, to us, than that mother to her child. So how could he burn us? What we are missing out on is smiling to our brothers and sisters in Islam. Just smile. Prioritize that. Make your priority to please Allah by smiling to your brother and sister in Islam. The Prophet ﷺ said, when you smile to your brother and sister for the sake of Allah, it is a sadaqah, it is a charity. One man went to visit another brother for the sake of Allah. For no other reason, just because he is a Muslim. To bring that bond. On his way, Allah sent an angel down in the shape of a human being. And the angel said to him, where are you going? He said, I'm going to visit so-and-so. He said, why? Do you have some money owing to you? He said, no. He said, do you have some business which you want to trade with? He said, no. He said, what do you want from him? He said, I've only gone because he loves Allah and I want Allah to love me. The angel said, I am an angel from your Lord that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent me to tell you that because you love your brother for the sake of Allah, Allah loves you because of that. Allahu Akbar. Imagine this, my brothers and sisters, that on the day of judgment, a woman who was a prostitute gave water to a dog to drink. The dog made istighfar for her, asked Allah to forgive her. And she corrected her actions, and on the day of judgment, Allah forgave everything. Imagine this, a woman, a woman, or another man, he used to say all of his life, Ya Hanan, Ya Manan. Words. Oh, the one who is patient. Oh, the one who is merciful. He had so many bad sins. And on a day of judgment, our Prophet tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave him because he said, Oh, my angels, do not torture my servant. He used to call out with my beautiful names of mercy. Abadan. A man on a day of judgment will come and he will only need one single good deed to enter paradise. His scale is not in proportion. And another man will go looking around. Well, sorry, another man will only have one deed that he has ever done in his life. Look at the difference. So this particular person who needs one deed, our Prophet tells us, on a day of judgment he will go looking around for one person to give him one deed. And when he finds this man, this man says to him, you know what, everybody rejects him, his father, his mother, everyone says, no, 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 I need this one single deed this day. But this man says, here, take my deed, it's not going to benefit me in anything. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our messenger tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls out and says, 
Is there someone who is more merciful than I am today? No one is more merciful than I. Both of you enter paradise. Both of you. How merciful is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are missing out on acting towards it, my brothers and sisters? Always remember, yes, Allah is merciful. But if you do not seek that mercy, if you don't seek it, it means you don't want it. How then would Allah be just in giving you mercy if you don't seek it? But He still does. If you do certain things in life, the minimum requirements of the religion, then insha'Allah, on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may forgive you. So long as you do not make partners with Allah. My brothers and sisters, I would like to end it here by saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, مِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الدُّنْيَا وَمِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ There are some of you who want this life, and there are others who want the hereafter. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْعَاجِلَةَ عَجَّلْنَا لَهُ فِيهَا مَا نَشَاءُ لِمَنْ نُرِيدُ ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَا لَهُ جَهَنَّمَ يَصْلَاهَا مَذْمُومًا مَدْحُورًا وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعَيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَأُولَئِكَ كَانَ سَعَيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا Those who want this life, Allah will give them everything out of it. But in the hereafter, they will have nothing left. And whoever wants the hereafter, then Allah, and, and works towards it, then Allah will give him the best of this life and the hereafter. And Allah will be thankful to him. My brothers and sisters, choose your priorities from now and see what is the most important thing for you. Prepare for your death. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. يخرج من بين